Little seven-year-old Raymond gets into a fight with his sister, and he purposely, purposely breaks one of her toys. At that point, his mother happens to come into the room, and she sees what's going on. She says, Raymond Nicholas, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Tell your sister you're sorry. Tell her right now that you're sorry. Little Raymond looks back at his mother, and he says, No way. I'm not apologizing to her. She asked for it. She got exactly what she deserved. Well, Raymond's mother immediately turns eight shades of red. She says, well then, go to your room. Go to your room right now and stay there for the rest of the day. No TV, no radio, don't turn on your stereo, nothing. You just sit there and you think about what you've done and why you need to apologize to your sister. Well, little Raymond gets upset. He says, but mom, you can't do that. I'm supposed to play football today with my friends. They're expecting me. I need to be there. I want to be there. His mother says, too bad, Raymond Nicholas. You should have thought of that before. Go to your room. So little Raymond starts to go to his room. And all of a sudden, he turns around quickly and says, you're bad. You're mean. You're a mean mother. You're the meanest mother in the world. You're the meanest mother who ever walked the planet Earth. You hate me. And he goes away to his room where he moans and he groans and lives in utter agony for the rest of the day while his friends happily play football in the local field. Now, before I go any further, let me issue this very important clarification. The fact that this boy, this boy in the story, happens to have my name is merely a coincidence. <laughs> I was always a perfect brother. <laughs> Please don't tell my sister Donna that. She'd have a different opinion, I'm sure. But in all seriousness, my brothers and sisters, the point I'm trying to make in telling this story is this. If you understand the dynamics of it, in other words, if you understand what's going on here between little Raymond Nicholas and his mother, you will understand what the Bible means when it speaks of the wrath of God. This, of course, is a concept that confuses many people, and understandably so. After all, St. John explicitly tells us in his first letter that God is love. Psalm 103 tells us that the Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in kindness. Romans 8.38 says, Neither height nor depth nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God that comes to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. In our second reading today from Ephesians 2, St. Paul says, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. And finally, in today's Gospel, Jesus himself says in those words that are so familiar to us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. 
Those are just a few of the many, many scripture verses that speak to us of God's love, his incredible, awesome, marvelous, eternal love. But there are also other passages in sacred scripture, like today's first reading, that speak to us of God's anger, God's wrath. Listen again to the words of that reading. Early and often did the Lord, the God of their fathers, send his messengers to them, for he had compassion on his people and his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his warnings, and scoffed at his prophets, until the anger of the Lord against his people was so inflamed that there was no remedy. Their enemies burnt the house of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, set all its palaces afire, and destroyed all its precious objects. Those who escaped the sword were carried captive to Babylon, where they became the servants of the king of the Chaldeans and his sons, until the kingdom of the Persians came to power. How do we make sense of this apparent contradiction? Is our God a God of love? Or is he a God of wrath? Or is he somehow a God of both? But how can he be a God of both since love and wrath seem to be mutually exclusive realities, diametrically opposed to one another? Well, here's where a little seven-year-old Raymond Nicholas and his mother can help us. In this regard, I would say that the words of St. John from his first letter serve as a good starting point for us, where he explicitly says, God is love. And he means all love, perfect love, complete love, total love. Okay, that's great, Father Ray, but what about God's wrath? If God is pure, total, complete, 100% love, how does wrath fit into the picture. Well, very simply, my brothers and sisters, the wrath of God is just the way that certain people experience his love. Yes, you heard me correctly. The wrath of God is the way that some people experience his love. Specifically, people who defiantly and obstinately cling to their sins. Think of little Raymond Nicholas. He broke his sister's toy on purpose, and then he refused to repent and say he was sorry. Had he said he was sorry, life would have been wonderful. He would have been out in that field playing with his friends as he usually did every day that he could. He would have been happy. He would have had a great day, a lot of fun. But he made another choice. He said, no way, I'm not apologizing to her. She asked for it. She got what she deserved. And so he ended up spending the rest of his day sulking in his room all alone. So I guess that means his mother hated him. Not at all. Raymond's mother loved him. She loved him deeply. She loved him a lot more than he knew at the time. But since 
he stubbornly refused to repent of his sin, little Raymond Nicholas experienced the love of his mother at that moment as wrath. He experienced her love as wrath, which is why he responded to his punishment by shouting, You're bad! You're a bad mother! You're the meanest mother in the world, the meanest mother who ever walked planet Earth! You hate me! She didn't hate him. She always loved him. The Israelites in today's first reading could very easily have related to the plight of poor little Raymond Nicholas. As we heard a few moments ago, they were defeated and carried off to Babylon in captivity. They spent a number of years there, a number of decades, all because they stubbornly refused to repent, to repent of their idolatry, even though God, in his love, in his compassion, in his mercy, had sent them many, many prophets over the years to warn them about what would happen if they continued to disobey. And so they, too, experienced love as wrath. Their sentiments, by the way, were captured perfectly in today's responsorial psalm. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion, Jerusalem, Israel, our homeland, where we were happy, where life was so good. Now the good news is, little Raymond Nicholas eventually got out of his room. And God's chosen people, the Israelites, eventually came home from their exile in Babylon. That's because in this life, we can always change. We can always change for the better, such that we move from experiencing God's love as wrath back to experiencing God's love as love. But there will be a moment, my brothers and sisters, specifically the moment when we take our final breath on this earth, when that kind of change will be impossible. Which means that if we are still stubbornly clinging to our sins at that moment, at the moment of our death, we will experience God's love as wrath for all eternity. In fact, that's really an accurate description of what hell is. Hell is where people experience God's love as wrath forever. This is why repentance is so necessary and why repentance is so important and why the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of reconciliation, is such an incredible blessing. Which leads, I would say, to the obvious question. Have you made a good, thorough confession during this season of Lent? And if not, what are you waiting for? <laughs>